That right there, yes, is Loverboy. And do you know who we're playing that for? We're playing it for Rob Shaw because he is such a huge Loverboy fan. Aren't you, Rob? I don't know how I got myself into this, but yes, <laughs> yes, I am. I prefer working for the weekend. I, you know, I was thinking, Simi, whether I, I really love Loverboy or I just like uh, Mike Reno's ability to rock a pair of leather pants, which I respect. I respect deeply. Nobody and, does it better. Uh, no, he's always looking good in those. Well, well of course, we're going to play you working for the weekend, we became, but we can't do that on a Wednesday, Rob. You're oh, going to have to feels... listen to Loverboy every day now until Friday. <laughs> it feels like Friday. But that's <laughs> no, okay. not, yet, not yet. It does feel like Friday, though, given the way this week has been going news-wise. Uh, I know there's a lot of questions still about this first story we're going to talk about, um, but did it come as a surprise to you to hear that the CEO of BC Housing was stepping down after, what, 20-plus years? It, no, not really. I mean, I think you got to put the context in it for people to sort of make up their own minds here. This is a, a retirement officially from Shane Ramsey, who's been CEO of BC Housing for 22 years. Uh, but like, look at the context around it. So you have uh, BC Housing being leaned on by the NDP government to do a lot more things uh, than it used to do. Its budget has tripled in the last five years. There was a review that was done into it, uh, released in June by Ernst & Young, at the request of David Eby, who used to be housing minister, who was worried about whether this agency could still kind of meet the task of all this money. And it was not good. It uh, mentioned that there are situations where there are contracts going out without proper documentation and at least two properties uh, purchased without any records on how those decisions were made. So Eby fires most of the board of BC Housing last month and puts in a whole bunch of new people. And shortly after we learned that there's still another investigation going on at BC Housing. We don't really know what government just says it's some further work that is being looked at. And so when you put that kind of context into what is a retirement announcement, uh, you get a kind of a different view of a rapidly changing and growing organization, critical outside you know, concerns, a new board that did not hire this CEO 22 years ago, another review that's still going on. Uh, and and that, I think that, you know, adds a little bit to the discussion of what this is all about. It is also possible that all of that is true and uh, Mr. Ramsey's official statement yesterday that he's just tired of the rising sort of violence and uh, he felt like he was threatened trying to push one of the uh, projects through Vancouver City Council recently uh, in Kitsilano. And both of those things are not mutually exclusive. They, they could both be true. All right. Interesting. So there will be more to come on that for sure. Uh, the other thing we're going to talk about this morning has to do with these electric vehicle rebates. So what brought about these changes? Why are we getting them? Yeah, I mean, this rebate program uh, has been so successful for government. It's, you know, it used to be as much as $5,000. It went down to $3,000. It's up to $4,000 again now. But I think, you know, to me, there's always been a, a kind of a little question in the back of the minds of a lot of people here. And is it goes something like, are these rebates actually helping ordinary middle class British Columbians buy an electric vehicle? Or are we just helping rich people subsidize that Tesla that they were going to buy and could have afforded to do anyways without a taxpayer subsidy? And I think we started to get a bit of an answer to that question yesterday when government changed the rules and said the new EV rebate program is going to be linked to your income going forward. So if you earn more than $100,000 or your household earns more than $165,000, you don't qualify for provincial rebates on your next electric vehicle. 
And that is, according to Energy Minister Bruce Ralston, uh, you know, the purpose is to sort of reshape the program to focus it on people who might need the financial help the most. But if you just look at the way that this was done, the, the people who got it, the kind of cars who uh, that were purchased over the years, I think you can conclude, and I certainly conclude, that we did spend, as taxpayers, millions of dollars helping high-income people buy Teslas and BMWs and Mercedes and Audis and Porsches. I was looking at the list uh, from government overnight. Um, I sort of calculated using some napkin math at around 41% of the buyers in the last five years bought what we'd consider luxury electric vehicles with those brand names. We're not talking mom and dad trading in the station right. wagon for the hybrid Nissan Leaf. We're talking expensive vehicles. Uh, back, You used to be able to spend as much as 77000 on an electric vehicle to get a rebate um, of you know 5000 Government changed those rules a few years ago. So I think that's the, the question that government's wrestling with here. The premier, who's you know very politically astute, he kind of picked up on that and he made it a part of the mandate letter of the energy minister this year to to execute these changes. And that's what we saw yesterday. OK, so then this this really kind of changes the situation, depending on your household income, about what how much of a rebate or if you're going to get a rebate at all, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. If you want to be able to get the full rebate of four thousand um, dollars, you can't have an income of uh, more than eighty thousand dollars. Uh, or a household income of more than $125,000. Once you kind of reach that threshold, your rebate level starts to go down until you reach the $100,000, $165,000 threshold where you don't get any at all. And I guess the question government's going to have um, on this is, is that income level, $80,000, $125,000 for a household, uh, enough right now during rising interest rates, rising um, inflationary costs on your household goods and uh, and all of those pressures we're feeling on housing and daycare and everything else, is that enough to be able to afford, you know, a $55,000 electric vehicle? And will it will that kind of income group be able to do that in this environment, even if they get $4,000 off by the province, another 5000 from the Fed? So so think of $9,000 off a $55,000 electric vehicle. Right. Are, are they going to be squeezed enough to do it? And, and that's the question for government going forward is did they did they pick the right income levels, I think. Yeah, that's what I wonder about this too. We are, we're going to be speaking with the new Car Dealers Association about this coming up, Rob, because I wonder if there is a concern that this will I don't, dampen sales of electric vehicles, right? I think part of the thing about the rebate was that you try to encourage early adopters and the early mm -hmm. adopters get out there, they buy those, whether it be Teslas or whatever, but they buy them. And then eventually other people get interested because they think, oh, these are becoming more widespread. And I wonder, is this discouraging that? Now, will this dampen car sales? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, you can't buy an electric vehicle right now because they're so popular right and so, <laughs> yeah. and so hard, that's right, and so hard to get. And I think government will point to some stats like 17% of the new vehicle purchases, uh, light vehicles in BC the first four months of this year were electric, which blows away government's goals. And I, and I know that the government and a lot of people consider the rebate program crucial for helping it kind of meet and exceed its climate targets so far. So in that sense, you know, it depends on how you view this program. We spent millions of dollars incentivizing people to go electric maybe earlier than they would have done. Did all of them need the money? Most definitely not. Um, now the program's changing to just the people who need the money. So it's different. I think government feels like it's accomplished uh, its original goal in some ways. And now it's moving on to 
to try to help middle income and lower income people, which is very much sort of the wheelhouse of the NDP. I think that they felt, you know, especially when those groups are being squeezed by gas prices uh, and unable to get out of this cycle of being stuck by ri- in rising gas prices, but can't afford right. an electric vehicle, that, that maybe targeting them and increasing the rebate was the right thing to go. And, and I, for a lot of people, I think it I think they will support this. It's just a, a, a bit of a question of whether or not um, that income level can afford what is still a very expensive purchase. That's a good point you make, though. Is it so? Then is it? Are we going to be here? Are we hearing this going to be sold to us as this is part of our method to help you fight inflation? This is part of our affordability package. I guess government could spin it that way. I think the premier has gone a little bit further, though, and said that uh, that you're going to get some direct financial relief. We don't. We still don't know what that is. We're still waiting for it. Um, but uh, I, they might be able to tie it together. But I think people they're they're going to do the old show me the money uh, routine, and they want some type of money back from government that, that is not uh, contingent on them spending fifty five thousand dollars on on electric vehicle. So maybe, but I, I think the premier has been a little bit too outspoken to, to let them get away with that. Hmm, interesting. All right, Rob, thank you.